Chapter 1. Muscat, Oman. The glittering marble columns of the cafe's colonial terrace sparkled in the fierce sunshine. Rachel Cox, sitting in the shaded area at the back of the open-air space with her colleague Salman, took a sip from her coffee as she spied on the apartment building across the square. What's taking him so long? Salman, sitting next to her, said in his Eton-educated accent that to Cox, having known him for more than six months, remained an unexpected contrast to his obvious Middle Eastern origins. Dark skin, thick black hair and dense stubble that reached uncommonly high on his face. She took the last sip of her coffee. Finally, across the way, she spotted the man they were looking for. Lanky and dressed in drab clothing, he stepped out of the double doors of the stone building. Cox flicked her eyes down, sank a couple of inches in her chair, trying to be as inconspicuous as she could. The man was jittery as he looked around him, but he didn't pay any attention to Cox or Salman, and after a couple of seconds he turned and walked away in the opposite direction. Ready? Salman asked. Cox nodded. Salman had already paid the waiter minutes earlier, and he quickly finished his water before they both got up from their chairs. Cox noticed a couple of the local men staring at her, and she once again averted her eyes and looked down. Yes, she had her hijab on, to reduce offence as far as possible, but she couldn't hide her light skin or her green eyes that clearly marked her out as a Westerner. The fact she was consorting with what looked like a local man only further added to the indignation she regularly garnered whenever out and about. Still, she wouldn't let the glowers put her off the task at hand, and if anyone were to question her presence here, she had all the papers required to explain who she was, including her ID showing her as a visiting professor of international studies at the Sultan Qaboos University. A fake ID, that is, but a necessary backstop for a white single female in the conservative country. Particularly one who also just happened to work for the British government. They headed on across the square, Cox's eyes busy as she surveyed the people around her. None appeared suspicious, and none were taking anything more than a fleeting interest in her and Salman. As they approached the doors to the apartment building, Salman slowed and veered off to the left to look into the window of a shop selling men's formal wear. Cox carried on her path and reached into her pocket to grab the key for the outer doors which Salman had pilfered the previous day. She pushed the key into the lock and turned, then pulled open the door and stepped into the cool but dim interior with only a brief glimpse behind her before she shut the door. She paused. The small and sparse atrium was all quiet. She reached into her pocket again and took out the tiny earbud. She already had the equally tiny microphone attached to a fold in her hijab. Can you hear me? She whispered when the earbud was in place. Yes, came Salman's reply. He would remain her eyes and ears on the outside, just in case. Cox took a deep breath, then moved for the wide stone staircase in front of her. The apartment building, in a far-from seedy or downtrodden neighbourhood in the nation's capital, 
had certainly seen better days, though its former glory and original class when it was built during the heavy British influence of the 19th century remained evident. The staircase was lined with a beautiful wrought-iron banister, though the metal was rusted and its paint blistered in places, and the once-perfect corners and edges of the stairs had been worn smooth from decades of footsteps and minimal maintenance. As she headed up, Cox saw no one, though sounds of life from the apartment doors beyond came and went. On the third floor, she moved along the corridor, her eyes still busy, her body primed for the unexpected. There were no CCTV cameras in the building, but she kept her head down as much as she could anyway, habit as much as anything else. She stopped by the worn door to apartment eight and knocked lightly. Was she expecting, hoping, for her knock to be answered? They'd already seen Faiz al-Basaidi leaving the building, but what of his wife, Turiya? Cox hadn't seen or heard from Turiya, her key asset in Amman, for nearly two days, despite their hours of surveilling the apartment building. What had happened to her? Cox's heart drummed with anticipation as she waited a few seconds with nothing but silence around her. She knocked again, only slightly louder this time. Rachel, are you inside yet? came Salman's smooth voice in her ear. She jumped at the unexpected noise, her heart rate ramping up another few notches. There's no one here. Are you in sight? I will be in a moment. She took the small tool set from her pocket, a torsion wrench and a series of small picks. She worked away on the lock, her nerves continuing to grow. She heard a creak somewhere towards the stairs and whipped her head round. No one there. She cursed under her breath, worked on the pins inside the lock again, her fingers becoming clammy and fumbling. She might have worked for MI6 for the best part of a decade, but she'd never learned to enjoy these James Bond moments one bit. Finally, the last of the pins was pushed out of the way. The lock released, and Cox let out a long but quiet exhale. She pushed the door open, stepped inside, and closed the door behind her as silently as she could. She stood and listened. The apartment, a simple one-bedroom affair with an open-plan living space and single bedroom with an ensuite, was all quiet. No lights were on, and despite the sunshine outside, with the sheer curtains in the living area drawn, the apartment was strangely dull and lifeless.